Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Off Speed Podcast, the second episode in our rebranded format, our sports show here on the Rob Has a Podcast Network. My name is Grace. I am excited that you have joined us. We are going to be diving into uh, different worlds of sports every week, different sports stories, and we'll play some games along the way. Uh, you might have seen in the title, uh, we might have spoiled what a world we are we are covering this week, but I am very excited to be talking about a, a, a sport that I quite frankly, uh, know very little about other than the name Tiger Woods. Um, and so I had to bring in uh, a ringer, a golf ringer, um, a longtime friend of mine, and certainly somebody who knows about golf and can talk about golf. I'm pleased to be joined today by the host of the Hound Dog Harrison podcast, the Bros Ceremony podcast, and All Bets Par Off. It's a stats guy with SportsCenter with Jay and writes for SportsBettingDime.com. Uh, Michael Hound Dog Harrison, how you doing? Very, very well. Thanks for having me on, Grace. I'm uh, excited to talk a lot, of, a lot about golf. I'm hoping, of course, that uh, the actual golf season will start here for real. But as we're recording some of these podcast, this podcast, uh, the weather still isn't super great. So probably going to be at least a month from now until I actually get to play real golf. But uh, hopefully here soon enough. Oh, this is you wanting to to play real golf. Yes, I do know that you are an avid. You don't just watch golf. You play golf to the extent that uh, if anybody uh, follows you on Instagram, uh, they would be delighted by your uh, attire of choice when you play golf as well. I think uh, one of the best things about you is your fashion sense on the on the course. What do I say? Uh, I was going to the links. Is yeah, that right? Either way, they both okay. work. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I always like to wear the uh, loudmouth pants uh, that uh, my yeah. favorite golfer, John Daly, of course, endorses. They're just wacky, wacky uh, attire, which I, I always find funny to wear when people uh, sort of the, the, the side looks they give you is like, what the heck is that guy wearing? I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I love to do when I have a guest on, no matter who's the guest, I love to get into the history of uh, your sports fandom. Uh, you know, obviously you're a huge golf fan, but I know that you are a fan of many sports. Uh, and so uh, tell us, uh, you know, uh, what got you into sports, what team, uh, what sport, what players, uh, all, all of that. Well, I guess uh, growing up, uh, my grandpa lived with us for the first, uh, I think it was about eight years of my life. So he was sort of a humongous impact uh, on me in terms of uh, me getting into sports because actually everyone else in my family basically didn't care about sports at all, which was kind of funny that he was so excited because I finally was a sports guy for him. So he loved the the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jays. So those were my first two uh, loves. 
uh, you know, just following the stats with him in the newspapers. Yes, there was a time back in the day when you couldn't just use your smartphone to uh, take a look at the stats. So, yeah, to see, into, you know, if they're on like a coast trip or something, you know, you had to look up the the stats at the bottom early, you know, like you couldn't find like the, the you know, the Yankees game on TV. You had to like yeah, look at the results of the stat box the next day. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a different time then for sure. And so, yeah, he got me to the Leafs and the Blue Jays uh, and then sort of. I don't know exactly. I can't even exactly pinpoint how, but I, I watched a, a Super Bowl or two in the late '90s, and I uh, picked. I wanted to pick a, a team that I that no one else really cared about, so I yeah. picked the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, yeah. they're an average team every year. They're eight and eight. They weren't didn't really do a whole lot at all. So I figured I don't want to be a Cowboys fan or a Packers fan or whatever. You know, the obvious yeah. fandom. Yeah. So. I picked them and it's actually worked out relatively pretty darn well for me, yeah. all things considered the last 20 or 15 or so years for the most part, they've been a good team. So I got into them and just became a diehard and haven't missed a game since like 2003. I think even the preseason games, uh, I just, I refuse to ever miss a game. No chance. Yeah. I, and, I, uh, uh, I, I said that uh, Mikey and I are our friends. We also were roommates at one point in our lives and uh, our bedrooms were next door to each other. And boy, if the Seahawks were having a bad game, you knew, <laughs> You knew the house knew the Seahawks were playing poorly. Yeah, yep. a very passionate yep. Seahawks fan. Let's uh, jump really quick. Uh, you know, we're not a super recappy uh, podcast news podcast, but how do you feel about this Russell Wilson trade? Yeah, it's it's sort of something I never actually thought was going to happen. It was one of those deals where you know it's like okay, there's all this smoke. There's not going to actually be fire. They're not going to really trade their franchise icon quarterback, but. Uh-huh. When it happened, it was obviously I was quite stunned and not completely because, like I said, there had been rumors for a year or two about that. Yeah, obviously a tremendous quarterback, but it just seemed like if he wanted out, they are going to have to pay him eventually here in a few years, a lot of money. And I guess they were like, you know, I think he's going to be 34, I believe it is uh, for the next season. So they were like, no, obviously there's a good amount of quarterbacks that are playing well into their late 30s and even 40s with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess they didn't want to pay him. So it's. Yeah, you know, it's disappointing. It's it's too bad. He's had an awesome tenure, good tenure tenure with Seattle, but uh, I guess it's time to move, the, uh, turn the page, and uh, hopefully find the next quarterback. But yeah, it was definitely uh, pretty crushing to see him traded. Are you the type of sports fan who you know uh, you're going to check out Russell Wilson on the on the Broncos? Are you cheering for him in the Broncos? Like until they play the Seahawks, are you okay with like you know? Uh, yeah, you can do well over there. Are you like nope? You're gone. You're no longer a Seahawk. You know. I am absolutely not a Denver Bronco fan for one reason specifically uh, yes. for this because they get their future first round pick and second round pick next year, Seattle. So I want them to lose every single okay. game. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but otherwise, yes. yeah, I don't hate Russell Wilson or anything like that. It's funny though. My buddy's mom thought I was going to become a Broncos fan after the trade. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like yeah, any fan of any team who switches allegiances on the team based on the player, get out of here with that nonsense. So no chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, sounds good. So that's your sports fan. I'm very, very fun. Uh, very exciting. So let's jump into the world of golf. I said it up front. I know very little about golf. Uh, I feel like there was a time, uh, in my life where when Tiger Woods was still, uh, I guess he's still playing, right? But, uh, when he was uh, sort of on top of the world, how could you not 
know the name Tiger Woods uh, as a Canadian. Uh, you know, uh, two Canadians on this podcast. Mike Weir is a name that I was like, yep, okay, I'll follow some golf because uh, Mike Weir uh, is good. Uh, that did not last uh, too long. Um, but for you know, uh, folks who are are listening into the podcast, don't know a, a ton about uh, golf. Apologies if you do and you feel like I'm asking the worst uh, questions. If you want more in depth analysis, I'm sure uh, we'll give you Mikey's uh, Twitter handle later. You can uh, tag him about all your golf uh, questions. But uh, from a more casual standpoint, like what is exciting in the world of golf at the moment, Mikey? Well, first of all, what I would say to someone who's not really fully sure if they want to watch golf, because I, as much as I'm a diehard golf fan, I understand it's a lot of uh, hours to commit to a tournament for, to, for four days. What I always would say to someone is don't even watch the first three rounds of the tournament. Okay. Because obviously, kind of, you know, yeah. for diehards, you care about what's going on. But like for a casual fan, there's nothing really at stake. There's no like, okay, this is a last putty has to make this or she has to make this or the tournament's right. over, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's sort of almost akin to uh, another sport like curling. I'm not huge on, but I've started to appreciate it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But watching the round robin matches of, of a curling like a week before the final, sort of like golf, the first three rounds, it's almost like, well, there's nothing really super exciting or, you know, completely immediate of what's going to happen. So I would always say to for a golf fan or someone who isn't sure if they want to want to take the time to watch the golf because it is a long uh, broadcast. Just on the uh, go watch a major start on the back nine holes because it's only about uh, approximately two hours for that viewing then. Oh, that's much, much lovely. That what a lovely amount of time to watch a sporting event. Two hours. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it makes sense to make, uh, uh, trim the fat a little bit in terms of, um, you know, I think a lot, I think golf, you know, it's funny, golf seems like a sport that I actually think I could get into because uh, it has very uh, similar comparisons to a sport that you and I both love, baseball. Uh, people say, well, it's boring. Uh, baseball is boring. It's long and boring. And I feel like golf, you know, knowing that it's a, a multi-day event, maybe get some of that same um reputation in that i can't watch all of that and nothing is really happening and so this Mm -hmm. advice here of like don't worry but you know skip all the first stuff and wait till there's like pressure uh is really interesting a way to look at uh the sport of golf yeah for sure or even like you could even do like the last three holes or something like that like uh you know oftentimes and sometimes of course it's a blowout victory which obviously isn't exciting but more often than not, it comes down to the last couple holes or you think it's over. It's like, oh, this guy has a four shot lead with like five to play. Oh, it's done. And all of a sudden, you know, he or she, they, they've had a bad shot. All of a sudden, oh, my goodness, you know, all of a sudden everything is wide open again. So it's a very a volatile sport, which is interesting in terms of, you know, a lot of different people could be leading and are dropping off and playing well. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely it's very, very hard to predict uh, who's going to win because there's just so many good players out there on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tours right now. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like Tiger Woods sort of dominated uh, the conversation in terms of, of of golf and winning. There are other, you know, you uh, mentioned uh, some other folks who, who uh, uh, Phil Mickelson, you know, people who um, sort of become big names. But is this much more of a sport where you you perhaps are, you know, because somebody could sort of just fall off, not, not make it like uh, this isn't necessarily a sport where you might have allegiance to, you know, like we have allegiances to teams. Uh, you're talking about how, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to become a uh, Denver Broncos fan just because Russell Wilson um, has, has been traded, but do you find it's easier to just sort of follow golf as a whole and see like, Oh yeah, this week I get to see this person rather than sort of uh, relying on like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this individual player, uh, you know, be a fan of this player. Is that just not how it 
it's not really the culture of golf, I presume. Well, for me, uh, I mean, my, my favorite player, John Daly, as I mentioned earlier, he's plays in the champions tour now. So I don't unfortunately get to see him on the PGA tour. So that would definitely be the one player I would be always following. But now that he's not really a, a relevant player, at least in the regular tour, uh, I basically just watch the game now for the excitement of, you know, what's going to happen. Because there's, like I said, there's so many good young players and you just never know week to week. Uh, recently at uh, the players championship, uh, the 322nd ranked player in the world, Anaband Lahiri, who hadn't had a top fi- uh, in his last 15 tournaments, hadn't been better than 40th, was leading after three rounds and lost by one shot. He finished second. So it's like, wow. what? It makes no sense. Like golf makes no sense. It's so random like that or whatever. So, uh, so I, I have two different ways I watch golf. One is, of course, there's some players that I find exciting to watch, but two, because I bet on golf as well, an unbelievably difficult sport to win on when you bet on because there's just, uh, there's 156 players to start a tournament. So right. really challenging to, to hit on those bets. So I watch it sort of two ways. One, the guys who I like, but then the, of course, the one, the people who can make me money. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of fun, good players, exciting players in the tour now, even though Tiger Woods isn't playing because he's uh, uh, been injured for the last uh, you know, year and a half. Um, there's definitely a lot of good players to watch. Um, was Tiger Woods, is he, uh, what's the deal with his son? His son is not that old, but was he playing with his son? Or that's, is that just like, I feel like I've seen it go viral. He was like playing golf with his son, but his son is not that, he's not like even close to being like competing in tournaments, right? I believe. Uh, no, his son is, I think, yeah. 14. They're playing the, okay. the PNC yeah. championship, the father-son uh, tournament. And they okay. finished second actually to John Daly and his son who finished oh. first, which was awesome for me. And yeah. John Daly's son, I think is 18 or 19. So he actually seems like he, well, he is going to Arkansas for college golf and you never know. It's so unbelievably difficult to uh, make it on the PGA tour, but seems like there's uh, some thought of actual prospects for him for the future here coming up. And obviously having the name daily is going to get him into other tournaments, maybe more so than someone that wouldn't same with Charlie Woods, uh, Tiger's son. He's 14. Certainly seemed like he had a lot of game, but you know, quite a ways to go. Uh-huh. But uh, just sort of like uh, Charlie's dad, Tiger, uh, the reason the, there's a lot of good young players in the PGA Tour right now is because of Tiger, because because Tiger yeah. came out when he was super young. No one at that time would have started as a professional when they were 20. That just was that was unheard of. But because he sort of set that bar and that example there's a lot of the young players who have done that now. So theoretically, who knows, of course, but like. John Daly's son could be on the PGA Tour in a couple of years, and, and and Charlie Woods could be in like six or so years. But obviously, there's a lot to get to the to that point. Is is do we find is it like now is the time where like we're having the Tiger Woods effect? Are there a lot of players on the you know who are starting out, uh, sort of maybe making some of these tournaments, being like, yeah, I was totally inspired to play golf because of Tiger Woods. I feel like that has to be uh, coming at some at some point. You know, these like he's a generational uh, talent again. Like you could not. Like, you know, he is a reason why I think for a lot of like, you know, a sports center highlight is like about golf because this like was about Tiger Woods, you know. Uh, so I feel like there have to be a lot of people who are inspired by Tiger Woods and are playing golf because of, of Tiger Woods. And it feels like, you know, yeah, if you're like yeah, about 20 years, yeah, they probably there's probably lots of people who were inspired by him who are already playing. But um, these kids who watched him like young, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's definitely, uh, we'll get into that a little bit uh, in terms of the good young players in the tour right now. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of guys who are look up to Tiger and they're, it's funny that a lot of them are like, Oh, I wish I would have played Tiger in his prime and yeah. like it would have been so cool. Yeah. And 
Then you would get beat, though. <laughs> exactly. That's what, like, you know, Tiger's contemporaries when he was playing, like Vijay Singh and Ernie Els and Phil Mickelson, as you oh, mentioned. Yeah. A lot of them like, no, 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 no. You, you didn't want to play Tiger as prime. You would have yeah. lost. So you didn't want to actually play him when he was as, at his uh, peak of his career, you know? You know, I wish I really played against Michael Jordan. I wish I could play basketball against Michael Jordan in the 90s. You know? Yeah, right. Uh, I get smoked. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, let's, before we, we talk about uh, players uh, who want to watch, I, I think interesting to chat about, like, you, you've talked a little bit, like, how do you watch golf? Which you you watch, I think, a lot more than uh, even the folks who might be uh, casuals. But um, talking about like uh, you know about a, a month uh, ish, from, I think probably a little bit less. Uh, I, th- I believe the Masters uh, Men's Masters tournament mm-hmm. will be happening uh, in April. Um, how do you like? So I guess uh, first question I'll ask is like, um, what are the ter- other than the Masters? Uh, are there other yearly events, perhaps uh, other tournaments? Um, the Masters seems to be the one that I can really think of off the top of my head. Uh, these uh, actual diehard golf fans are like yelling at their podcast screens right now. Um, but like, what else uh, should we keep an eye on in terms of like major tournaments? Yeah. So the, uh, the, the way the PGA tour, they, a couple of years ago, they switched around the schedule a little bit to be able to have a big tournament every month from March to August. So okay. uh, in, in March, uh, which recently just completed was the players championship at Sawgrass. Uh, that's sort of the PGA tours major, uh, even though it's not technically a major, it's considered the fifth one. That's their crown jewel event. Uh, the winner got like 3.4 million Cameron Smith, which is crazy amount of money. Golf wow. purses have gone shot up like crazy because of the Tiger Woods effect. As we mentioned, okay. it's nuts uh, how much they make now. Yeah. So that's in, uh, in March and then in April, as you mentioned, the masters, which is, yeah, generally obviously considered sort of the more interesting one because it's the only major of the four that's at the same course all the time every year. So you start to really know the course, you know, super well because Generally speaking, the other majors they have a bit of a rotation, and approximately depends depending depending on the course, of course, uh, between ten to twelve years between each time they've been to that course. So you don't remember it as much, you know, the nuances of the track. But the mm-hmm. Masters every April is uh, at Augusta National, so everyone knows that, and there's a almost a romanticized feeling about that place. Then uh, now the PGA Championship, which used to be in August, is now in May. And then uh, the U.S. Open Golf uh, Major is in uh, June with the Open Championship in July. And then the PGA Tour likes to finish their season or they finish their season with the FedEx Cup playoffs, a three event sort of series of events to try to conclude the the best player of that season. So that's in August. So the, the PGA Tour has managed to finagle a way to have big events through uh, March and August. And then they have a bunch of other events throughout the year as well. Pretty, pretty much the off season last year for golf was one week. Just one. Oh week. my! Wow, wow, uh, incredible. Uh, so we're coming. Up, this is a perfect time for us to do the podcast. We are coming up on uh, you know every month. Uh, there's something uh, to watch, and if you're like get super into it, there's a lot more you'll be able to watch uh, this year. So that's that's fun. And and so uh, all of these tournaments, uh, presumably the majors, you get more points. Like uh, in terms of um, at the end of the season, like there's a there's a, a tour champion. Exactly. Yeah. So the uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs. So they go to the Tour Championship. The winner of that gets ten million dollars plus the actual person winning the tournament. So it's a, I think it's around twelve million or something along those lines. So yeah, yeah. The majors are definitely the the bigger ticket events for uh, more money, uh, more uh, FedEx Cup points, and obviously more wor- world ranking points, which are huge because if the players play well in that, then they can qualify for the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup. They they switch every year. Um, the President's Cup is the United States against the internationals, not including the Europeans. 
And then the uh, Ryder Cup is the United States against the European uh, players. So then it's obviously those majors, those big ticket events are the ones where if you play really well in those, you can find yourself on those teams, which are getting increasingly more difficult to make because there's so many good players around the world. It's awesome how golf has really become an international game. And that's sort of what they tried to do when they started the World Golf Championships events in the late 90s was to try to get all of the best players from around the world all together at the same time in the same tournament. So even though the World Golf Championships events aren't majors, they're pretty much basically on par or just slightly below the Players' Championship. So there's always elite fields that play. Like pretty much everyone plays those ones, anyone who's anyone, plus a lot of international players as well, which is uh, obviously great for the game. It's really cool to see different countries represented uh, in the game of golf. Yeah. Um and just uh, for for a point of clarity here, uh, that that generally we're talking about the the men's side. How how uh, similar is the women's uh, tour uh, in terms of like structure um, to the men's side of things? Yeah, they they have the women have five majors actually, uh, so the, an extra chance for them huh. to uh, sort of have the huh. glory uh, for them on that. And yeah. that tour is also just so incredibly deep. Like it, it's insane how these women. Uh, they're they're like 16 years old and they're winning majors. Like it's it's nuts oh, really? compared to the men's tour. It like like for example, Lydia Ko uh, has won a couple majors. Uh, she's from New Zealand and she's 24 years old, but she's I think been playing on the tour since she was like I want to say like 13 or 14, oh something like gosh. that. Yeah, <laughs> and she's been, she won like I think uh, almost 20 times. I think it's just shy of 20 times. So uh, they 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 uh, women like it's it's really really young the tour in terms of like the the uh, high-end players of course there's some veteran players that still win uh, from time to time and but it, it's quite rare to see anyone in their 30s on the lpga tour winning it's just uh certainly nowadays anyway much more unheard of and yeah so they, they also sort of have a similar structure to the pga tour in terms of you know their bigger events as well and uh it's cool that they have five majors i, I quite like that and i like the fact that there's a lot of tournaments around the world for the LPGA tour as well. A lot of uh, tournaments in Asia, which is great because I, uh, uh, with my work hours, like to stay up super late at night. So it's yes. fun to watch on a Saturday night at like two in the morning, some live golf. Uh, I absolutely love that. And if you uh, don't work uh, hours that Mikey does, you can just PVR it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, honestly, yeah. golf golf is one of the best sports to PVR because there's so much downtime. So that actually goes to another point uh, about, you know, getting people to watching golf who might not really care so much. I would say, yeah, PVR it. You could rip through the commercials. You could rip through like some golfers. Oh my goodness. It's a human rain delay. They take like, <laughs> it, they're supposed to be penalties for like if you take too long yeah. to hit they're supposed yeah. to, it never happens unless never. it's like the a player no one knows about that's the only time they ever they get penalized shots yeah so yeah just rip through like a minute of bryson DeChambeau taking forever to hit a shot on the pvr perfect done we talked about this uh when uh uh Puyo came on to chat about uh, like english premier soccer and i was like i feel like there was a there was a time when i first got into it that was such the sweet spot of like getting into a new sport where i could like pvr and watch the game like later uh, at a time that was convenient for me because my like google algorithms had not figured out that i was into like watching liverpool games yet and then there was like eventually that was like my phone would be like hey liverpool's winning and it's like don't tell me that 
I was going to yeah. like watch the game. And I feel like it could be the same, you know, if you're getting into golf, like I think the, the, um, the thing about getting into new sport is that like your phone, your, t- you don't follow anything on Twitter, you know, like all this stuff, you could just be like totally like spoiler free. I know that's like sometimes people uh, are very like, I think Zach last week was like, no, I have to watch the thing live. I think when you're first getting into something, uh, it's like to your advantage that you can just be like, I'll PVR and I'm going to watch it when I, when I can watch it. Uh, and I will not be spoiled on who wins this thing because my, like my, my phone won't tell me. So the, yeah. the only downside to, unfortunately I've been burned on this in the past with golf, uh, PVRing it to watch a little bit later, especially if you're of course, from a betting angle, I mean, right. because the tournament, as I said, is so volatile and they're all over the place. You can want to bet on a, a player or think they're going to win. And all of a sudden they make a horrible hole and they're out of the tournament. And if you're watching behind, then you're not yeah. able to bet on it. So I've been burning that on that before, not wanting the spoiler. And then I should have, been paying attention to who was winning and then I, I got burned. I could have won more money, unfortunately, on that. But just in a general sense, though, my goodness, it's crazy how many people, not even talking necessarily even about sports, but how many people, when you say to them, don't spoil what's going on, I don't want to know, they, uh-huh. they, they, they take it as their personal project to have to tell you in some way what's going on. I remember, I know a show that we both love Survivor. Yes. Uh, I know I'm going into the weeds on this, but it was uh, good. There's a, a girl at work who also loves Survivor. Love her. She's great. But uh, I was like, okay, I'm a, an episode behind. Yeah. I'm going into the finale tonight. Don't tell me what's happened. I don't want to know. And she goes, oh, I, I hope this person, this person, and this person wins. So then obviously <laughs> I know the other person got voted off the previous episode. But she couldn't, she couldn't understand the concept that I, I was like, how are you not understanding this? You've completely spoiled what happened on the previous episode, which I told you don't. Or like, uh, Someone will say like, um, here's my, here's my one. Can I tell you my one where, uh, and I think I'm guilty of this too. Where it's like, Hey, have you watched like uh, this TV show? And you're like, no, I'm like, well, I won't spoil it, but here's like a really funny bit. They do (laughs) like tell you the joke that like Uh is, is it basically just a spoiler? Even if it's not like a a spoiler, I I think I do that. Uh, and it's really bad, but I I just want to tell you the really funny thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also the, um, when someone says like, uh, yeah, they were fun on the show. They were great. Thanks for the past tense on that. Now I know that, again, they're gone. So, well, I mean, this is what, at least in golf, you know, I don't really have to worry about like, I feel like where I get is I will Google like, uh, you know, like, Oh, who's that actor? And like, they're in one episode. It feels like they're in one episode. They're like here for one episode. Then it's just like, Oh yeah. John Smith. He's in 48 episodes of the show. And you're like, Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Like he's important. Uh, or it's like, he's in five episodes. You're like, well, he was well, that's like, you know, the other way, yeah. of course, where it's like, I, I do the same thing. I'll Google the actor. And then, uh, and then it's like, I'm hoping they're in the show for a while. And it's like, Oh, they're only in the one episode. Ah, oh, darn. Why did or, I even Google that? Damn. Or uh, Google autocorrect. You're, you're finished to like John Smith dead uh, TV show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thanks. I've a hundred percent done that with uh, a show. I love coronation street. I was just Googling the actor's name. And then it was like, actor talks about how they, their, their character got killed off. Wow. Ah. Coronation, coronation street. That's I, I feel like if people are not playing like a grace Canadian bingo on the show, like, Check Coronation Street off of your bingo card. I did not expect Coronation Street to come up today. Um, okay, let, I feel like yeah. Let's get out of the weeds. Uh, what are the rough? What? Which? How should I metaphor back? Let's get back on the green. Um, so uh, yeah, let's let's talk to who who who's good. Who's who's the best golfer in the world at the moment? It's John Rahm, who uh, Spaniard, who won the U.S. Open uh, in 2021, and he is fantastic. He's been struggling a little bit, a uh, little bit this year. It, it's a relative term because he's still a great player with his putting, but uh, he's going to win uh, multiple majors without question. It's actually the first time 
since the golf world golf rankings came out, I believe it was 1984. I want to say where the top five players in the world are under 30 years old. So it's uh, as it goes to the point of like, you know, it's a younger game now that it used to be. So John Rahm is uh, outstanding. And he, like you said, he's already won a major. He's going to win, certainly going to win more. No doubt about that. And then it goes uh, Colin Morikawa, who's already won two majors. And he's only been like relevant on the PGA Tour for two years, two or three years. Maybe, maybe this is his third year now, actually, his uh-huh. third full year. Uh-huh. And he's already won a couple of majors, which is nuts. Uh, then there's Victor Hovland, who's won three times in the tour. And he's, uh, he's come close here recently uh, a number of times. Patrick Cantlay is uh, incredible, just a super solid player. And, uh, and Scotty Scheffler hadn't won, then he won twice in three events. So it's, it's, uh, those are the top five players in the world. And uh, they're just, it, it's, it's so hard because when Tiger Woods was in his heyday, because he was so dominant, obviously yeah. he had some players who were really good that could, uh, could win. But it was basically him winning. Nowadays, it's just, a new player every week. Oh, that guy's the best player in the world. Oh, that guy's the best player. It's, you know, on the, at least in the PGA Tour anyway, it's uh, they keep jockeying for position and going back and forth about who actually is the best player. It's just, it's nuts. Um, and who, you're talking about uh, the tournament that just finished up, uh, so forgive me, uh, the Players' Championship? Was that what it, what it was? Uh, who who won that uh, tournament? Are they uh, at the top or, or is this just kind of an upset or surprise? No, well, Cameron Smith, actually, speaking of golf betting, he's a guy who I picked to win a couple of majors last year, and I bet on him. Of course, he didn't win then, and then he wins his Players' Championship, so he moved up to sixth in the world by doing that. Uh, he's from Australia, and he's unbelievable at putting. Uh, uh, his stats bear that out, too. He actually is like one of the most clutch putters and best putters in the tour, which that can make up for a lot of mistakes if you're good at putting, and he was unbelievable. He made 10 birdies uh, on his final round to win, and uh, he held off. Um, uh, Anna Baron Lahiri by one shot, who is a complete unknown. And you're it's, saying, yes. it, yeah. as you were saying, it's, just, it's, it's crazy how like guys can, or, or even there's a lot of LPJ tour examples as well. Just people that pop up out of nowhere for one week, win a tournament, and then you never hear from them again, or they finish second or something. It's, it's crazy how hard it is to consistently be really good for a long, long time on, on those tours. And then how much money, how much money can they win in these tournaments? Is, uh, you're saying the, like, the uh, yeah, so the winner for the Players Championship more than usual won three point four million. Cameron Smith. All right, I'm just gonna. Just I think I'm gonna start golfing. That might. But, be, let's yeah. train. Can you train me? Yeah, <laughs> go, let's go golfing uh, this summer. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. That's yeah, actually well, a real. That's actually a real request. Other than my stupid joke that I want to be rich, but uh, we, yeah, we should go golfing. Um, so uh, that's the that's the men's side. Uh, and actually, actually, let me very quickly. I'm going to jump back. Uh, you're talking about uh, that. Uh, who did you say was a great, Cameron Smith, a great putter? Uh, mm-hmm. so, and the, the the stats sort of bear that out. Um, it feels very like like uh, you know I'm a huge baseball fan. It feels like the past ten ish years. It's like you know the stats that we we loved for years uh did not always bear out you know that the two uh the best actually is a baseball obviously is a totally different sport than golf in terms of uh you know it's a team-based game you're playing against the team of people out there but um has golf embraced analytics in the same way that a lot of these other sports have and, and if so uh what kind of like how far down the analytics hole can you get with golf Oh my goodness. It is insane. Honestly, there, there, you can, it's nuts. The, if you were to go to a player's, uh, uh, profile on PGA tour.com, they, they have new, like just oodles and oodles of stats, like, uh, rough proximity, how many times they hit the ball on the left side of, uh, in the rough, how many times they hit it on the right side, their, uh, 
their tour rank from like 175 yards to 200 yards. Uh, you know, uh, their uh, bounce back ability after making a bad hole, coming back with a birdie. Uh, I was hoping when you said there's oodles of sad that like some, uh, there was going to be a golf stat. Is this his oodle score? It's 7.8. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it means this. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'm sure that's coming because there's so many. And there's yeah. a, the, the main ones that I like to use in, in my hopeful predictions for who's going to win in my uh, all bets per off videos where I pick uh, four winners to try to win that tournament that week. I was on fire to start the season with three wins the first five weeks, which is just it's an unheard of to be able to do that. And now in 2022, I've been absolutely ice cold and horrible. So it like oh. it goes back to it's being so difficult to pick winners in the tour. Yeah. But the stats I like to use are strokes gained stats. So like strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained putting, strokes gained uh, around the green, like that, that sort of thing. So the, 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 every player will be ranked on that. And, uh, you know, some players like, uh, as I mentioned, Anabar Lahiri, who was a complete out of nowhere player who hadn't had any top 40s in 15 tournaments and almost won the players. He was like 238th in like strokes gained approaching the green and then he was unbelievable that 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 next week. So it just golf is just so random. So there's just an 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 ornament amount of stats for golf. Uh, you can just get lost a a big time wormhole in that one. Um, he the, this Invergy uh, mentioned he's so ranked uh, so low, um, uh, or or maybe it was surprising. Like how many players are competing in the in the in these in the like in the majors? Like how many how many people uh, typically compete in the tournament? It varies by the major, but generally speaking, for regular PGA Tour events, it's I believe it's 156 players or 144 for an event. Yeah, the Masters is much lower. Uh, I think it's a, you, typically around 80ish players, and like you know, 10 of those are past champions who have no chance of winning at all. They like to have a few amateurs in there as well. And then is Mike Weir still in the, out there? Is he still golfing? Or is he retired? Uh, because he won the Masters in 2003, he'll always be able to go back there until I believe he's 65 years old. So. He always will play that play that one every year. Uh, in terms of the regular tour, he doesn't play that anymore. He plays the Champions Tour, which he's won on. Uh, unfortunately, actually, last year beat John Daly on the last hole, which broke my heart. Um, Can you indulge me for a moment and listeners indulge me? Uh, who's the best uh, on the men's side? We'll get to the women's side in a second. Who's the best uh, Canadian uh, golfer at the moment? I would say uh, there's actually there's never been uh, deeper for the men's side for golf uh, in Canada. It's actually pretty. Cr- they call that the awesome. Mike Weir effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. He's a huge uh, factor in yeah. that. Corey Connors would probably probably be the one that's most consistent, the name that's popping up most in leaderboards. You know, around the top ten or so for, uh, I believe at the Players Championship, I think he was top fifteen, uh, or uh, uh, maybe not quite top fifteen, but he's around that. Adam Hadwin actually was top fifteen, but there's probably like a th- approximately eight players with their tour cards right now from Canada, which has never been the case before. So there's a lot more Canadian talent. Most of which Connors, like I said, has won once. Adam Hadwin's won once. A lot of these uh, players, they only, uh, it's so, so difficult to win. They're not, uh, you know, racking up the victories. It's just so uh, incredibly tough. But yeah, it's probably Corey Connors nowadays would be the one consistently, anyway, that you would say. Uh, Mackenzie Keyes every so often yeah. gets in the top five, but yeah. uh, it's quite okay. That's just that was that segment was just for me. Let's uh, switch over to uh, the women's side, the LGPA. Uh, uh, you mentioned Lydia Ko. Uh, yeah, I was looking up to the, she, she uh, when she was ranked number one in 2015, uh, 17 years of age, making her the youngest player of either gender to ever be ranked number one. That is incredible. Um, but who who else uh, is out there in terms of uh, players uh, to keep an eye on, on on the women's side of things? 
I mean, if you want to go straight back to Canada, because she's absolutely one I of the top players go in the world. Back. <laughs> Brooke Henderson is like top five uh, yeah, player on the LPGA tour, and she's already won a major. I think she's won, I believe, ten times uh, consistently. She almost won another major, the ANA A Inspiration. She lost the playoff, which was uh, unfortunately just uh, demoralizing that she lost that. But she's always like consistently. Easily one of the top favorites to win tournaments. Uh, yeah, she's and she's only 24 as well, but she's also been around forever. I, I, I want to say she probably has been around, I want to say maybe eight years in the, on the LPGA Tour already. Yeah, so, 2015 uh, seems to be perhaps when she started could be before that. But so yeah. It's pretty yeah. crazy to say, like, she is 24. That's obviously very, very young, but in tour standards, she's a grizzled veteran now. It's just so weird to say, but... No, I don't really like that 2015 is seven years ago, though, either, Mikey. Uh, that doesn't seem that just like blows my mind anyway. Uh, yeah. It's it, it's wild. Like people tell me sometimes at work like, oh, yeah, like I'll be like ranting about the Seahawks losing the Super Bowl in 2006. And then they'll be like, I don't remember that. Uh, I was like four years old. <laughs> Because they were just, you know, an intern starting out. I'm like, oh, no. Or actually, I, know, I had that, a conversation yeah. with a yeah. guy the other day. He is, he's like 26, I think. He's like, who's Andre Agassi? For tennis, I was like, oh, but why would he know, right? Like, yeah, that's totally fair. I know. Oh. I'm like, I like. Uh, Brooke is only six years younger than me. I'm born in 1991, but I'm like, yeah, oh, you're born in 1997, and you're you're a grizzled veteran. <laughs> yeah, that's so unfair. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, yeah she's definitely one. Uh, the, the best player right now, going without question, is Jin Young Ko. I I believe it's six wins in ten tournaments. Uh, oh, wow. Just, on like in, in sensational player doesn't get enough as, as much play as, as she should in terms of how ridiculously good she is. I think she hit like won a tournament by hitting like I want I could be completely a little bit wrong on this, but like hitting like sixty six of the seventy two greens in regulation or something along those lines. Just like automatic hitting every single green. Like yeah, obviously you win six times in ten starts. That's just like that's amazing. So she's a fantastic. I believe she's like mid twenties as well, which. Again, that's still very young, yeah, but uh, she's uh, incredible. She's uh, the number one player in the world right now. Is the is the age thing in the women's side that like they're younger? Is is that um, like women's access to golf? Like the LGBA is not new, um, but certainly like you know, um, I, I do wonder how much that's like um, you know, um, you know, the improvements we made in equality being like yeah, you could you can play golf. Like you can have a career in golf uh, for women. I, I do wonder how much that's uh, in there. Um, but I mean, yeah, you would also think that people who've been playing for a while would, would, would do it. So yeah, I just, I'm, I'm intrigued. If people have thoughts uh, tweeted us, let us know. Um, I think uh, yeah. part of it is for the LPGA is that uh, some of them, not all, not all these women, but they obviously want to start a family. And so right. when doing so right. they uh, can't compete and they obviously want to be at home understandably for a while. So then, I mean, the tour is so incredibly close and everyone like is so, so good. The razor's edge of, of being able to win a tournament versus like finishing 30th is, is super, super thin. And so they, they, you know, let's say they take a couple of years off or whatever. They're unable to get to that previous level. There's been some LPGA players who like Lorena Ochoa comes to mind, who I believe she retired around maybe late twenties and she had won a and uh, I don't know exactly, probably 30 tournaments. Like she won a bunch of tournaments and then just sort of almost abruptly retired and to uh, have a family. And so that's definitely part of it is uh, that like women sense. wanting to start a family. That's definitely comes into play, but yeah, there's other, a lot of great players. One of my favorites to watch is Patty Tavitanikit. 
she long bomber. She won a major the um, last year, so she's fun to watch. And Nellie Corda, although news came out recently, she had a blood clot, which is just she's like early twenties, which is scary, but she's yeah. uh, outstanding as well. There's highest a lot ranked of American, account. I believe, at the moment um, for our, our, our fans. I, I love uh, when you're talking about the previous uh, player. I love when I you know have guests on uh, who can just pronounce the names of the players. That's it's because that's not going to be me. Tavitanikit, well, the name. I, I there's, yeah, there's a, one of my one of my favorite players in the men's tour is Jaz Janawanand. Uh, that's a great name. It's an amazing name, and he's such a fun player. But like sometimes the, bro- the broadcasters, they don't even try to attempt to say their name. It's like these, Him, people, these players have been playing for a while here. Like you maybe should uh, show some them some respect because they're good I, players. Hey, for name, I'm with you. Uh, There's a great article, you know, more Canadian talk on uh, your bingo card. Uh, check off CBC. Uh, there was a great CBC article a few years ago that was talking about uh, you know if we can learn how to pronounce names like uh, Chekhov and all these like you know we can pronounce Eastern European names like we can figure out how to pronounce all these mm-hmm. other uh, names. Um, so yeah, learn learn your coworkers' names who you think they're difficult name. You'll you'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I'm not following golf all the time, so these ones are all new to me. But uh, mm-hmm. interesting about Nelly Corda, yeah, 23. Hopefully that uh, health issue uh, is okay. Uh, but yeah, the highest ranked uh, American. Uh, on the LGPA at the moment. Um, okay, fun. Uh, before we sort of wrap up golf uh, talk here, is there anything else you want people to know? Anything else uh, they should be looking at, keeping an eye on? Well, uh, definitely, as we mentioned, uh, the majors are coming up. You're definitely getting into the sweet spot of the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour seasons because there's going to be so many big tournaments coming up here uh, throughout the summer. So you're definitely, uh, for especially certainly casuals, uh, fans, March to like August is without question the wheelhouse for uh, for for golf watching uh, because uh, as I mentioned they have like other tournaments. There's only the one week off season, but those tournaments are so low level. I'm a diehard. I'll be following the scores on my phone, but NFL is on at that point, so I'm not even watching those tournaments. And I'm a diehard. So from September to like uh, uh, the September to November events, I barely ever watch those uh, that much at all, really. January and February are nice. You see some nice tournaments in Hawaii and Arizona and LA, but of course in Canada, stuck in the cold here, it's always a little bit frustrating that you can't mm-hmm. uh, be playing golf at that point. But yeah, we're definitely getting into the peak golf season uh, to watch and obviously also to play as well. Yeah. All right. This is very fun. Thanks uh, for chatting golf with us. We're not done. We're going to play a game. So uh, typically each week, we're not going to play a golf game because I I can't write the golf questions for you, Mikey. So uh, there's a lot happening in in the uh, sports world related to trades, uh, I believe. Uh, Have we hit the... going to out myself when we are recording this, but I believe the NHL trade deadline, it has not passed, right? Uh, it is it is around the time that this podcast will come out. I believe it will have passed, but it is not yet passed by the time mm-hmm. we're recording this. Uh, the MLB lockout uh, ended, and so there's been a flurry of transactions uh, before uh, spring training uh, begins and before opening day. Um, so lots of, lots of if you're, if you're a fan of transactions and sports, it's a really good time to be a fan oh, of sports. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I thought I would do is I looked up some interesting trades, uh, Mikey, and I'm going to quiz you. Um, I normally have multiple people play, but uh, today it will just be you. So I oh, am boy. more than willing to give you as many hints as you need. But I have uh, <laughs> a few questions and, and we'll see um, how you do. Um, 
I'll give you an easy one to start off. Although I said that last time and, and they totally disagreed that it was an easy question. So we'll see. Um, Pressure's on considering uh, we already mentioned that I work at TSN. So yeah, yeah if for true. some reason I'm horrible at these, we'll just scratch that from the, hey, uh, from the conversation. If, yeah. If, if you're not hearing this part of the podcast, if you are hearing it, it's because Mikey did pretty good. Um, all right. In 2011, this is a baseball question. Ozzie Gann was traded to the Miami Marlins for two players to be named later. What position did Gann play at the time? Shortstop, first base, or was he the manager of the team? He was the, that's yeah, thank you. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> manager of the team, Ozzy Gian. I wish, uh, at least I hope, good grief, I hope I'm right on this one. Manager of the team, and I wish he was still manager uh, in terms of uh, entertainment value. That, uh, yeah. He was great on Chicago and the Marlins. Yeah, you are correct. He was the manager at the time, traded to uh, the Marlins. I believe his tenure uh, did not last particularly long. Uh, not with there. the Marlins, no. Uh, with I the Marlins. really thought you were going to ask me, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I thought you were going to ask me the two players he was traded for. No. And they, oh, no, I have no, no idea. <laughs> uh, I have them if you want. Uh, sure. John Martinez and Osvedo Martinez eventually were sent back to the Chicago White Sox. But uh, no, he, he lasted one year in Miami and then he was mm-hmm. gone. And I believe then uh, the Marlins then uh, brought in. Um, oh, what's his name? This bat. I'm going to edit it. Uh, Who did they bring in the next year? Um, whatever. Ooh, as the manager? Uh, the Miami Marlins. Uh, what, it's, what's his name? Didn't they bring him in immediately? Well, I know Derek Jeter, of course, was the president there for like three or four years, but then he's, he stepped down. But in terms of the manager, I'm trying to remember. Oh, no, they brought in Mike Redmond. I thought, I thought, uh, what's his name came in? Uh, Don Mattingly. He doesn't come until 2016. So, right, uh, right. We'll basically cut most of that out. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have mostly baseball questions because baseball trades, uh, are so much more fun. But let me give you, uh, let me give you a basketball question. Um, okay. In 2012, the Boston Celtics shipped off two of their championship winning core in exchange for three first round picks. Where did the Celtics trade Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce? Here's what I'll do. If you can get the question, I'll eliminate the multiple choice because you nailed that last one. But uh, I'll give you two points if you can get it. And then if you need the multiple choice, you can always ask for it. I'll give you a point if you can answer the question correctly after getting the multiple choice. So if memory serves me right, it's so funny how sometimes you can... Like you forget what, what what team, like for example, random Mike Madonna retired on the Red Wings or Al, Daniel mm. Alfredson retired mm. on the Red Wings. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's easy to sort of forget, but I do remember this one. This is at the time the Nets were thinking they're going to load up and they're, they're, they're with, I believe at the time, new owner was going to get all these great players and then we're going to win and it fell flat in their face. And they did, I don't even think they even really made a serious run with uh, those two guys. Absolutely correct. They traded off three first round draft picks, I believe, with some players in that deal as well uh, to trade uh, for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and do not do particularly well uh, moving forward. Uh, interestingly enough, they're like kind of like uh, after doing that, uh, I don't think they gave as much away, but they're in a little bit of a, uh, you know, stacking their team at the moment to try and uh, push for a championship win mm-hmm. and hopefully for Brooklyn Nets fans turns out better uh, than the Pierce Garnett trade. Um Let's jump back to basket or baseball. Sorry. Um, here's one. Uh, this is a really tough one. I think 1930, the Chattanooga lookouts, Mikey trade Johnny Jones for what? And it's not a player. It's not a player, it's not a player. <laughs> oh my, uh, gosh. Uh, you want multiple choice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's All right. with that. Do they trade Johnny Jones for a washing machine? Do they trade him for a broadcaster or do they trade him for a turkey? <laughs> oh, all spectacular choices. Well, especially the turkey and the washing machine. Uh, 
I'm trying to think what's the most ridiculous sounding. I want to go with the most ridiculous since that would probably be why that would be the question asked. I'm going to go with a washing machine. I believe the wa- the washing machine trade is from the uh, Will Ferrell movie Semi Pro, where he trades somebody for a washing machine. He- Johnny <laughs> Jones was traded for a turkey. Uh, let me give you let me give you the story uh i guess uh he he was uh like a shortstop for the lookouts he's doing terribly he's not hitting very well um they send him to the charlotte hornets this is like a minor like super minor league uh uh deal uh where uh in exchange for a 25 pound turkey that the uh the i think uh, uh the general manager of the team i think said was having a better year than Johnny Jones, this turkey. Uh, and so he had the bird cooked up for the Baseball Writers Association dinner. And uh, apparently afterwards, they said, yeah, the meat was a little tough. We think that uh, perhaps the Hornets got the better end of the deal getting Johnny Jones <laughs> over the turkey. Yeah, love, hilarious. 1930s so baseball trade. Um, <laughs> Imagine that happening nowadays, like just uh, in, in, in 2022, uh, uh, a trade like that happening. You know, let's, let's trade this guy this person for a uh, uh, sunflower seeds or something along those lines that they, they would break the internet. Uh, what about this one? In, uh, in 1994, Cleveland trades for Minnesota's Dave Winfield for a player to be named later. When the season ended up being canceled due to a strike, Cleveland instead paid for Dave Winfield by what? What did they do instead of uh, giving a player to be named later? How'd they pay for Dave Winfield? Wow. Uh, I'll give you the multiple choice again, if you'd like. Sure. Okay, so did they just trade Winfield back to Minnesota? Just give him back. Uh, did they take the Twins executives out for dinner, or did they pay for all of Minnesota's bats and balls for the next season? <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! Uh, I thought I don't know if uh, this is going to be a question coming up for you, but I do re- remember a classic Blue Jays trade where uh, John McDonald, fan favorite, essentially was traded for himself, uh, yes. player to be named later, then brought him back for himself. Uh, the I'm going to say paid for their bats and balls for the season. So that is a true story that uh, uh, t- somebody has been traded for all the bats and balls for the next season. Uh, it's not what Dave Winfield is traded for. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Cleveland executives just took uh, the Twins executives out for dinner. The season was canceled. <laughs> they took them out for dinner. That done deal. That's the trade. Yeah, man, things are totally uh, different back then. Uh, even then, uh, that's not even all that long ago. Speaking of uh, how the years fly by, uh, you know, that's what twenty eight, almost thirty years ago, and they did that trade. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'll uh, you you uh, spoiled one of my questions. I, I did have one in nineteen sixty two. Harry Chitty was traded for a player to be named later. Who was he traded for? One of the answers was Harry Chitty himself, who gets traded back after they were like, yeah, he's not that good. You can have him back. Uh, similarly, the same thing happened with John McDonald, the prime minister of defense. Lots, so many Canadian references uh, on this podcast. John McDonald was traded for a player being later only to be traded back. Um, I got a football one for you, Mikey. Cool. How many players and draft picks were involved in the 1989 trade between the Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, and kind of the San Diego Chargers? They got one one thing of the deal. Uh-huh. I didn't even know about the Chargers aspect of that. Yeah, that's obviously the Herschel Walker trade, uh, it is. which was see that 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 trade was the one that sort of uh, set the 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 core in place for the Dallas Cowboys to go on their crazy run there in the nineties. Uh, I would say players and picks. I, it was I know it was a lot. I'm almost certain it was the most in NFL history. It's the most uh, I think in any in any sport. I think yeah. Yeah, even the the Russell Wilson one had a bunch of players and picks, but it wasn't didn't amass the amount. Of this one, 
I want to say like 16 players and picks. Uh, oh, and that- so close. 18 oh. players and trick uh, players and draft picks. Sorry. Uh, I say again. 18 too. Darn. Yeah. Uh, I know. It still feels like 16. It still feels uh, uh, like, like a little low, you know, uh, but it's high. It's a lot. Yeah. 18 uh, picks and draft picks uh, get transferred between uh, mostly between the Cowboys and the Vikings. Although the San Diego Chargers do end up with one single player. Who's that? Who's the player? I'm, oh I'm yeah, let me let me let like me. just some like I'm assuming because I haven't even heard of the, the, they were the third team in this. It was probably some uh, player that didn't amount to whole a whole lot probably. So the San Diego Chargers ends up with uh, running back Darren Nelson. Um, yeah, classic uh, Darren Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looks <laughs> like he did not last long in the league. Uh, yeah, the Vikings get Walker. Uh, they get uh, a third round pick. San Diego's fifth round pick. Dallas's tenth round pick, and Dallas's third round pick. And uh, a bunch of stuff goes to the Cowboys. Uh, four players: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, uh, eight draft picks. Yeah, I, wow. I don't know if this is going to be a question that you have coming up. Do you have a question coming up involving the New Orleans Saints at all? If no, not, I do not. No. So how about when Mike Ditka, then coach of the Saints, traded his entire draft class to Washington uh, for the rights to be able to draft Ricky Williams running back? The oh, entire yeah. draft class. Yes. Uh, noted celebrity big brother contestant Ricky Williams. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. First, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Uh, the 2000 first round pick and the third round pick. They kept their second round pick, but that's yeah, that's a bridge too far to include the second round pick in yeah, that trade. Come on, yeah, <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, I think I just have one more question for you. Uh, in 1920, the Baltimore Orioles bought Lefty Grove for the price of a. Well, first of all, I hope his name, I hope he was an actual lefty. That's probably why that was his nickname, I'm assuming. I love old timey uh, baseball nicknames, Mikey. It'd be, it'd be pretty funny if uh, sometimes, you know, uh, they, they have the nickname and it's the ironic nickname, is, which is the opposite. Yeah, he was uh, Robert Moses Lefty Grove. Uh, and I do believe he did pitch left handed. What's, uh, uh, give me those uh, multiple choice answers if you, all right. uh, please. A new fence, a plate of oysters, or a dozen donuts. <laughs> oh man i wish these trades still happen my goodness it's just, it's just so sad that it doesn't uh let's go with a new fence a new fence. it is a new fence yeah, uh, finally was, that one right yeah he was traded for uh the cost uh three thousand five hundred dollars which was the cost uh, for the owner of the team to replace their outfield fence uh yeah uh <laughs> they ended up selling him to philadelphia uh for a lot more money uh, later. Uh, but both of these other, uh, uh, the oysters uh, is also a true story. I believe Joe Martina uh, pitched for the Washington center in 1924. Um, but uh, he was traded to, uh, he was traded for two barrels of oysters and became known as oyster Joe for the rest of his career. Oh, dear. And uh, uh, the, the donuts one is Len Dondero, uh, who played in 1930, was almost traded for a dozen donuts, but the team uh, fell through. When they actually, the team split the donuts and the, the trade was <laughs> declared null and void. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. At 12, it's like, no, 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 we can't give up 12. Like six, but that's, six? Our, that's our max, you know? Yeah. Uh, lots of this stuff is like, I, I looked for others. Uh, I had the Lefty Grove question there, but the, uh, Cy Young was traded for the cost of a, uh, a suit uh, to, to really? buy a new suit for the owner. So, Cy Young? Yeah. He has an award named after him and he's only traded for a suit? 
He's traded for a suit. Yeah. Uh, wow. Gosh, baseball trades are just just the best. Uh, that's what I got for you, uh, Mikey. Uh, thanks for playing. You did pretty well. You did pretty well. Uh, was, that was, that was fun. Uh, yeah. that was, uh, those are some hilarious, hilarious uh, choices. I mean, my goodness, if you hadn't given me the multiple choice answers or not, I would have been, uh, you know, this podcast would have been 79 hours long, probably <laughs> trying to figure out a washing machine or, or whatever. Oysters. Yeah, I, think, I think that's from uh, uh, that's what he trades. Uh, he gets in return for the Flint in, for the Flint tropics. Uh, Will Ferrell. Um, but yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, great. If anybody has any other uh, weird, quirky trades from uh, all sports history, uh, his up on, on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, Mikey. This was so fun. It's great to podcast with you. Oh, it's uh, fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, it was a blast. And I have been a guest on your podcast. We talked about the uh, season premiere of Survivor last year and did some Blue Jays talk at the same time. But uh, tell us, uh, tell the folks where people can find you, what you're up to. Yeah, so uh, I've been just started doing back uh, recording uh, the H Dog Pod. I've done 80, 80 episodes of that. I just wow. had my good uh, work, uh, former work colleague on that. So I just talk about Pretty much whatever. Sometimes it's about sports or reality TV. Generally speaking, uh, those are the two, maybe some other such, such stuff. But uh, I like to interview an eclectic mix of people and not just, uh, you know, I, I, all, all sorts of life and all sorts of jobs and uh, different stuff like that. So I do that, um, record that. You mentioned the bro ceremony before. I haven't done it this season with my co-host, Adam Scully, but it's on YouTube where we uh, recap what's going on with The Bachelor, Bachelor Nation, Bachelorette shows, Bachelor in Paradise, all that stuff. I think next year we'll be uh, starting back up on that uh, on Twitter and Instagram uh, where you can find me on both at uh, hound dog at hound dog Harrison. Uh, it's hound OG Harrison at the time. I couldn't do enough, uh, uh, enough characters. So I couldn't do the two D's uh, on that, which was so super annoying. Yes. Uh, yes. I do my all bets par off videos as I uh, had uh, or talked about where I make uh, picks to hopefully win us money uh, for golf tournament winners. As I said, I was on fire to start the year, been ice cold since. So hopefully I can uh, pick a few winners here again on that. And uh, Mike, oh, I also write for uh, sportsbettingdime.com, primarily for golf, but for other sports as well, where I give the odds for certain events. And then I give, again, tips, uh, betting tips to, for who uh, might win and uh, advice and all that stuff. Amazing. So much. So, so versatile, Mikey. It's, um, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I am on Twitter at hi from grace uh, doing uh, lots of stuff over mostly on post show recaps uh, covering winning time. Mike, you watching winning time HBO? I have not. No, it's, I, I think I saw, I want to say I saw a tweet from you about that, but I have yeah. not seen what, uh, what's that all yeah, about? So we're covering winning time. It's about the Lakers in the 1980s, uh, Jerry Buss and Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, it's been very fun. Two episodes so far. Uh, we were joined uh, uh, for episode two by Antonio Mazzaro and Jason and I will be back for, uh, we're back this week uh, with episode three. Uh, very fun show. Uh, very, very good. Um, also covering Raised by Wolves with Josh Wiggler and Taryn Armstrong, uh, covering Our Flag Means Death with Brooklyn Z and Sarah Carradine and weekly movie coverage with Ariel. Um, so lots of stuff to check out. Again, Twitter at hi from Grace. Uh, until next time, the podcast is open.